Adam Cliss, thank you for joining me. I appreciate it. Oh, you're welcome, Alex. Um, Tim, uh, as we just spoke about there a little bit, not uh, in the conversation here, is about, uh, I spoke to Andres Muller, Jim Newman recently, and uh, I'm fascinated at the moment. There's a, a strong resonancy within me about what's been spoken about. I've uh, been looking for myself into spirituality and psychology, yeah. philosophy, all that stuff for, I don't know, 10 years or something. Yeah. And I've picked up this non-duality, uh, Advaita, Hinduism, Buddhism, picked that up years ago and put it down, got on with business, uh, picked it back up again and gone with it again. And there's always been that niggling frustration in myself. There's something not quite scratching that itch. <laughs> and this yeah. is the this is the uh, message, if you like. I don't like that words too much, but this is that message that seems to just take not even scratches each, but removes each somewhat. And this is the only thing that's actually making that happen. So um, I thought, right, let's get people who are talking about this, and let's just communicate them for my benefit as much as anyone who actually listens to it. So I appreciate your time. No, you're welcome. What happened to you, Tim, in terms of um, uh, an apparent happening that made you awaken? Is that the right way to say it? Um, no, I mean, they're really... Uh, I, can't, I can't pinpoint anything specific, you know, one particular happening. Mm. Um, it's on your website, Tim. It says it seemed excruciatingly slow. That's right. That's, that's that was the sense of it. You know, the seeking, the seeking just became more and more desperate. That's how it felt. Mm. I Does became it, more. I became more and more desperate. Yeah. Right. It says on your website that you were a PE teacher. Um, yeah. What happened there when you were walking in Derbyshire? Oh yeah. Well, that <laughs> you see. I, the reason, um, I mean, I do speak about that, obviously, because people want to know, because mm. that's that was really the beginning of the seeking. So the so-called awakening experiences, oneness experiences, um, seem to be, I mean, that 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 isn't an end place. That isn't an because there, there is no there is no end. There is no destination. You there's no landing, kind of thing. Whereas what that seemed to do, that awakening experience of, of the obviousness of oneness, you could say, of no separation. In that experience, what that was seemed to be was the catalyst for all the seeking that came after. And um, I just, it was like, you could say, how life really is was revealed. You could call it a revelatory experience. I mean, I think, in, in spirituality, it definitely would be called that. Reality being revealed. And by reality, I don't mean that it was more real, but in that awakening experience where there was no separation, it, it was doubtless. I couldn't doubt it. So when, there, when the sense of being separate returned, which was immediate, by the way. The weirdest thing about that whole experience is that it didn't last in time. I, I couldn't tell you, you know, so how long did I have that experience on the, 
where the rocks and the trees were me and I was mm. the rocks and the trees. That sense, I couldn't, I couldn't put a time frame on that and say how long that lasted for. That was really obvious that it wasn't in time at all. Um, but I went, I went looking for that when it was seemingly revealed and then lost again. And that was the catalyst for me to find out what was that? What was that all about? So that started my, I just wanted to find other human beings who had had similar experiences and what they made of it, really. That's, that's really, that's what my seeking was from then on. Right, so it was a, a trying to return back to the sensation yeah, I, that you had. Yeah, I lit, yeah, and I wouldn't really even call it sensation just for that. Just that just moment. That complete peace is what it was. Mm. That's what I went. That's what I went searching for. I went searching for when there would be no more searching. I mean, that's the the great paradox of the search, isn't it? For of being a seeker, is that you can it can be understood and realised intellectually, certainly, that the search is futile. Mm. That looking looking for this is futile because it already is. This already is the case. But self can do no more than want to experience it, to have it, to to possess it. You know that sense of I want it. I want it for myself. I want that peace. Well, the terrible part of this message is that that peace is not for you. The very sense of feeling like me, of feeling separate, is the seeming veil, is the veil that there is no veil. But what I do in the seeking for it is by, by looking for it, I'm always saying it's not present. Mm. See, a lot of people, when I, when I sort of talk around this a little bit, they, yeah. they say that... Um, it sounds like there's a sense of escapism there. And it's like, you don't want to deal with being a human. It's too painful. And therefore you're yeah. sort of annihilating self, if you like. Absolutely. And I think um, non-duality, just like any other path, you could say, can be, can be an escapist route for self. Mm. But that's not what I'm speaking of. I mean, there is no escaping being human. So the story, the stories that we tell ourselves and we tell ourselves about the world, um, the people that uh, do have so-called suffering and so-called traumas and all that, yeah. um, that doesn't sort of dismiss that, does it? That doesn't sort of just knock that out of hand because there are people who are really having a difficult time. Oh, absolutely, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. And, um, I mean, I could say that my life, you know, relatively in comparison with many human beings was very easy. Mm. And yet there was immense suffering. I mean, that's, that's a great paradox. So we see people who, we look at their lives, you can see human beings and you can go, you can pity them and think, thank God that's not me. And yet they could be perfectly at peace. And then we can see other human beings who seem to have a blessed life and they seem to have, you know, everything. 
that you could, that most human beings wish for in life, and they're in immense suffering. Because suffering, suffering is almost, it's irrelevant to outward appearances, to, um, to actually what's going on. Because it's the interpretation that self puts on my life and how I feel about my life that where most of the, what we'd call really intense suffering, that's where that lies. This isn't a dismissive, doesn't dismiss that at all. This message, this doesn't dismiss anything. Mm. You know, mm. really the only dismissive thing is that, and the, really there is only one, one message. It sounds quite, it can sound quite complex, but it's just ridiculously simple. There is only what's happening. And the dismissive part is, but it's not happening to you or I. Mm. Which doesn't make sense to the thinking mind at all. It doesn't, well, it doesn't. The thing is, no, it doesn't make sense. This message doesn't make sense. And this isn't about trying to make sense of it. That's what, that's what the mind always does. Yeah, intellect is always trying to rationalize and make sense of. Well, the whole, the whole other aspect of this message is that life is beyond knowing. There is no understanding of life. Understanding is futile. Understanding is... Mm. Understanding is illusory in the sense of, I really do know what I know. And it can just happen that it can be obvious that there really is knowing any, there is really no knowing what the difference is between what I call knowledge and what I call what I don't know. You know, knowledge and knowing and not knowing. There's really no knowing the difference between those. Because but, there is no you to know. No. No, but there is really no. <laughs> you could say, I mean, you could, the great paradox is that is in knowing so there is this sense of self has a conviction because i need a conviction that i know what i know mm. to be true and i know what is untrue mm. so it's still and, a sense of knowing and, and that isn't true mm. really when we say we know what we know it's just saying i think i know and I think I know isn't knowledge, really. And then, so knowing and not knowing kind of fall into each other. So I speak about, and you will have heard the other, you know, other speakers that you've spoken to, um, will, will talk about not knowing or unknowing. But that sounds like, I mean, again, all, usually that's heard of, oh, so I'm waiting until I don't know. But it's, it's not even that. It's not that there will be knowledge of not knowing. Because that would just be another knowing. It's, it's, it's kind of just, I mean, the word I use most is empty. So knowledge is empty. Understanding is empty. And then the mind tries to pick that up as, uh, in my mind at least, some big void of blackness. Yeah. Uh, like space. Yeah, and well, that's pretty pretty accurate. But the space is the space is full of everything, mm. 
I mean, I used to go to Tony Parsons and his phrase, I used to go to Tony all the time when I was obsessed with trying to know. So I'd, I'd listen to anyone who spoke about anything that resonated with that experience that I had and try and in the in the hope really it was always it, the search is always based on hope in the hope that someone else could confirm that they knew what they were talking about and tony's favorite phrase is um, empty fullness well one of them certainly mm. so the void that complete black empty nothingness is full of everything it's so, and the the everything is nothing and the nothing is everything that so this i guess the most the most basic knowing that self has is that i know the difference between nothing and something you know i can i can i know when there's so there's emptiness and there's fullness and that of course they are too and they're simply not there's no knowing the difference. So everything is empty. But I could sit here and say, I know that the sun is in the sky. Yeah. Me right too. Now. So that is, is that a knowing or is there a no one to know that? Well, the, it's an appearance, isn't it? It's just, so really when you say, I know the sun is in the sky, you might have to you could go, I'm... You would, you would have a certainty and then you would go outside and then you would confirm that by looking into the sky and the sun appears to be in the sky. But really you don't know that. It's an assumption. So, so, so expand on how that would be an assumption. Well, because you don't know the sun is in the sky now without seeing the sun in the sky. Right. So if I said to you... Um, I'm playing devil's advocate here. If I said to you, the water yeah. is wet. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that, uh, unless it's frozen or gas, obviously. No, water, water is wet. And the, really, the knowledge comes from a memory of you. You remember washing your hands and you, you have a memory of the experience of the wetness of water, mm -hmm. the sensation of it. So you're saying I can't sit here and know that water is wet because essentially I'm remembering things rather than yeah. I would say momentary. the only knowing I may you know <clears throat> if you're washing your hands now and there's um, you could say direct experience of, of the wetness of water, you could say that's real. Mm. But when we talk about I know that water is wet, it's just a memory, isn't it? Yes, sitting here, yeah. It is. So in that sense, that's why most non-duality speakers just talk about there is only what's happening. And of course, the wetness of water isn't happening for the human being called Alex at the moment. So it can be it's it's not. It's not real. The yes. memory is mm. the mem the memory is real. The only thing that's the only reality is what's happening. What you're saying here is completely useless to a oh, no, self, it's, a completely no, it's, useless it's, information. Right. Or... It's completely useless, full stop. Yeah, mm. it doesn't have a it doesn't have a purpose other than compassion. I would say the purpose of it 
Mm. And the motivation to speak about this is because of how much self suffers in the need to know and in the seeking for understanding. Because what this message can seem to do is it, it can seem to destroy all hope. And whilst there is hope of I, I can get this, I can understand life. While there is that hope, there can only, they, they, inevitably there has to be suffering because I'm saying that at the moment I don't know. And the illusion that that knowledge and that understanding would bring me the, the peace and the, the love and the ease and the, everything that I've heard about, the joy, you know, all the spiritual carrots that have been dangled in front of the seeker that they that knowledge and understanding will take me to that mm. i mean all the messages that have that they're really popular aren't they you know still they always have been mm. they always will be it seems because they're providing hope mm. this is this is utterly hopeless in the sense of it destroys hope paradox of paradoxes without hope there is no hopeless. Mm. Hopelessness dies with hope. Mm. So it sounds hopeless to self. Well, you know, what's the point? It's pointless. So life is meaningless, pointless, mm. hopeless, all negatives. But the negatives, without the positive of hope, the negative of hopelessness doesn't exist either. There is just simply as it is. And as I run a couple of businesses alongside doing this as a, a side thing. And what business are you in? I'm in real estate property. Right. Right. And um, I tend to find I have like uh, expansions and contractions, that's how it seems to me. I have expansions of energy where yeah. life is completely meaningless, but that paradoxical sense of, wow, that's completely freeing. There's nothing else. It's, I have that. And when I'm when those states, if you like, are uh, occurring, business is so much easier to do. There's 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 no, like uh, there's no effort. Well, there is effort, but it becomes an effortless thing. So true. And uh, when it sort of contracts again, yeah, things are difficult. There seems to be more paperwork, and it's just yeah. like ah. So I don't know whether I don't know where I'm going with this. I, I suppose there's a question in there somewhere. But I think that when I talk about meaninglessness to people, they seem to come up with some Nietzsche-type philosophy where I'm a doomsdayer and the whole world's Absolutely, yeah. And that's not where I'm trying to go with that. Well, I get accused of being a nihilist quite regularly. You know, this is nihilistic. I said, no, it's, no, it's completely the opposite. But I, I understand why it sounds nihilistic. Yeah. Because, of course, hope, the 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 complete death of hope sounds nihilistic to self because self lives in hope. Mm. Mm. And I think, I don't know if it was in the Bible or something, it said there's not a hair out of place in the entire universe, for example. Yeah. Which, which a question arises in my mind then, um, if we take a current example, you've got the, the stuff that's going on in Eastern Europe and, and uh, yeah. into Russia and that. Yeah. Is there any sense of wanting to change anything there? 
if we use a, a specific example that is quite triggering for people mm-hmm. if i said is there any need to change that because there isn't isn't that just life happening yeah absolutely but the need to change is just life happening you know it's not mm. so this can sound like okay um there's no there's no hope really because there's no future i mean the end of hope is only because the future it the future can be seen for what it is which is all hope mm. and that is the future is imagination i i have to imagine a future there isn't a future the future the future only as far as we can tell the future, this whole notion of time and the past too, only exists because human beings exist. Mm. I mean, th- th- this happening, which is all there is, only has time in it because we've imagined time. And without time, of course, there is neither hope nor hopelessness. Everything is just as it is. Now, that includes the desire appearing, the desire might be here to change things, to do things, to act, to respond utterly naturally. So this isn't a denial of any of Mm. any response to what seems to be happening at all. Again, you hear a lot, you hear Tim, like they say, uh, there's nothing to do. Uh, Everything is completely whole, complete, finished, nothing to do. But then it's like, well, I might as well just go and be hedonist then, I'm off. Well, the thing is, you can only be a hedonist if you want, <laughs> if there's the desire to be a hedonist up here, you know. So if the, I mean, hedonists are just being naturally hedonistic. Mm. And the, the, those of us who were cursed with this desire to understand and know and not just have the pleasures of the flesh, a fucking cast with that that's <laughs> it's, it's not a denial you know it's not saying one is, the difference maybe is that it can be obvious that one is not better than the other there's nothing that is better or worse than anything else just different so just because one human being but the 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 story that self can tell that well, if everything is pointless and hopeless, then I might as well just go and be a complete bastard. Well, you can only be you can only be a complete bastard if you're a complete bastard. Mm. Mm. You know, mm. try. I mean, going against the nature, your nature is just what this is saying is it's not possible. Really, all the sense that there is here is that everything is actually completely natural including the sense of being separate and wanting to know because self is so afraid of not knowing because I won't be in control and without control how will I keep myself safe really this whole mechanism of self this whole sense of being well having personal power really that's what it's all about this sense of having personal power is just based on the fear that without that then I'll be completely unsafe. And the parad- and again, totally paradoxically, the only security, the only safety is that there is none. There is no security, there is no safety. That's, that's all illusory. 
because the the illusion is based on i really know what's happening i know what's happening now and therefore i can then prepare myself for what is to come and keep myself safe the utter and total insecurity of life and really by security i mean stop myself from being hurt and killed so save myself from death because at the root the, at the at the base of all fears is the fear of death and maybe one fear underneath that which is that i annihilation that not only will i die but that I, I i don't actually exist which is more terrifying to self than death itself i think that's where possibly we've come up with the idea of um reincarnation or something just so that we can Absolutely. oh yeah, no we, we will continue into eternity and all all spiritual all spiritual paths just try to um I mean, there's other there's other parts to that, but one of the main parts of all spirituality and all religion is um, to to say that in some way you can't die because you could be you will be reincarnated. So this whole sense of there a human being has a soul, an eternal aspect of themselves which the whole notion of a soul is just me living forever i mean no wonder that's been popular because i don't want to die i'm very afraid of not being and there is i mean why you might call this message liberation is there is no one to die yeah i think that's a, a subtle you could use the word paradox again is that there's uh, to me there's no death in the sense that there was nothing to die in the first place that's it i mean the human beings definitely die yeah mm, we animal. hide it no notice how we hide the death of human beings which is happening constantly i mean as selves we hide we've we've hidden it all away haven't we and we, we've made death is still i mean we just don't see dead bodies do we that's no. why it's really, you know, we've we've made it, we've so sanitized death to almost, you know, make it so that it doesn't really happen. We don't have to look at it, actually. Mm. You know, the death of human beings. The That's pharaohs tried hard. Pardon? The ancient Egyptian pharaohs, they tried hard, stuff they themselves did. and yeah. all sorts. Yeah. But, but um, that, isn't that a purely a reflection of the, if you like, the psyche just trying to maintain itself, though? There's... That's all it is, like that. The, the, us not seeing death, burying bodies and, and whatever else we do, burning them. Yeah. Isn't that just a reflection of the me, fearful of its own non-existence and therefore keep Absolutely. it away, just don't look yeah. at it. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, that's exactly right, yeah. So you know how we are, we're like conversing on this, um, um, the mind uh, works in a linear fashion and all that stuff. Isn't that just a natural evolution, a natural unfoldment? And there's nothing, there can be nothing wrong with that. So we're sort of talking about something that is undoing the, in my mind, I'm trying to grasp onto it, I can't, but undoing the mechanism. Well, maybe, but I don't know that. I mean, I don't, 
when they're speaking about that, there's no agenda here because there's no, it, it can't be an agenda that, oh, I think these words might undo something mm. or they might, um, you know, then they might free something. Mm. Really, I mean, the, the motivation to speak about it is compassion for the human being that most human beings are tormented by their sense of self. You know, by the sense of I am in control. Responsibility, I mean, we should, <laughs> one of the things that we take as a positive of being me is this sense of responsibility. Each, each human being is responsible for its own actions. I mean, it's just the most dreadful curse. So, so self-response, so what you're suggesting there is self-responsibility, the idea of self-responsibility is a curse. Oh, it's dread. Yeah, I am. Right, okay. Expand on that, because that goes against everything that, uh, you know, the personal development industry and whatever else Absolutely. that stands for. Well, I was, I was involved, well, I say I was involved in that. I, I trained as a therapist as well as a teacher. And, of course, as a teacher, what did I teach most you, what was underlying virtually all of my all of my work as a teacher, which was personal responsibility. Kids taking responsibility for their actions, for their words, for their behavior. And um, so, so expand a little bit on that. Why you think that it's a curse? What? Well, because my responsibility <clears throat> makes. I think the, the, the greatest pain that you can feel is guilt and shame. That's mm. self. Mm. It's truly dreadful. I remember, you know, I haven't forgotten that. Shame and guilt are, are really the most dreadful suffering. Mm. And um, what's, what's the root of shame and guilt? It's my responsibility. Mm. So that's why, that's why this message feels like compassion. But if somebody did some seemingly horrendous crime, yeah, the, the, for us to function as animals in a society of the natural world, there, there mm -hmm. has to be some sort of like keep that person out of society and oh yeah, oh I'm, you've got I'm to own that stuff. I'm all in favour of locking up the dangerous human beings. Yeah. So, I mean, I mean there's some sense of responsibility at that point. No, none at all. Okay. Please, I'm, no. I'm all for this. No, because, no, the, the sense of responsibility <laughs> is not necessary at all. If there are human beings that are a direct physical danger to other human beings, it's just very natural that you would want to keep them where they're not as, you know, not a danger to other human beings. It isn't, a, there's no requirement of responsibility in order for that to happen or for that to be desirable. Yeah, it just, it would be a it's natural not, I, thing. Okay, and really basically speak, <clears throat> what I mean is, so there's a, so there's a, there's a murderer, there's a serial killer. What I'm saying is he isn't responsible for being a serial killer. 
who the fuck would choose to be a, because really we're saying he's chosen to be a serial killer. That's what responsibility says. So he could have not been a serial killer, but he chose to be a serial killer. We're getting into that. This is going to lead into the free will thing, I think. But Oh, no, it is all about that. The whole notion of free will is redundant. So there's, but uh, the other side of that is the so-called determinism thing. Is that also redundant? That's that... completely redundant. There can be no determinism without time. Correct, yeah. This is not predetermined. This mm. just simply is. So all, really, all the stories are redundant. But all we have in communicating that there are no stories is just the story. I wrote this the other day. I wrote the story that all the stories are just stories. Do you know what? I wrote that down. I was going to read that out. Do you mind? Oh, dear. oh did I wrote that down. You put it's all stories, all of it. In the telling, what? in the thinking, in the remembering, in the imagining, the dreaming, the hoping, the regretting, the longing, in the understanding and the not understanding, in the illusion of knowing the difference. And that's where this is this is a story too, the story that says it's all stories. Ah, hmm. oh, lovely, thanks. That's that's, it, that's very that's a very um, what's the word Reve revealing? Uh, it's very difficult to um, to put into words, but that's it. Sort of wipes the slate clean. Absolutely, yeah. this is always a clean slate, Alex. Mm. This this so it, there isn't a slate, mm. but in the story we have to have a slate, otherwise we haven't got anything to write on to speak of. <laughs> <laughs> But this slate is absolutely pristine. It's, it's blank. It's blank in a way that is blank of blankness. It's, 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 so there's nothing on the slate, including the slate. You know, the slate isn't even there. There is no... So there, there's no, the slate is what you'd stand on because it's what you'd write on. So this doesn't even leave you a slate to write on. But of course the writing appears and the slate may appear. So we tell stories to each other. But I tell you, when, when you listen to other human beings and you listen to their stories, when you are not judging how true they are, how real they are, how accurate they are, which all that ever means is how they fit in with your notion of reality and life. That's all it ever means. Well, there is a, there is an absolute simplicity and peace and love without, uh, I don't even mean that you don't judge it. The judgments, because that's inevitable as well. There's conditioning here, just like there is there. So the story has come up that, oh, he's talking bollocks. But there's something beautiful about the guy talking bollocks and the judgment that is all mm. bollocks. In a way that when I thought I knew what was real, because it was my truth, I knew what was true and real because it was mine. Without that, there is a freedom that is unspeakable. Mm. And... 
life is incredibly easy without think, me thinking without me thinking that i need to know i think there might be a misconception sometimes in these type of circles tim that the people talking about these things have like no um judgment and they have no feelings yeah. and emotions and all that but from whenever i've spoken to people it's like no there's just no identification with that arising but the thing is right the thing about that yeah absolutely true that in a way free uh, feelings and judgments are liberated without me i mean how judgmental is me about my judgments you know self is constantly and by judgments i mean really preferences so you meet someone and there's an immediate sense of i don't really want anything to do with them i've got a dislike of them and it's not rational i don't have a reason for it and it doesn't feel i can't make sense of it but i don't want to i don't want to speak to them i don't want to be with them um there's a real felt sense of that and what self will do is go well that's 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 stupid so i go i i will <laughs> i won't allow the the actual natural felt sense i'm in conflict with it self is in conflict with what's naturally occurring which can be a natural judgment of i don't like him her what's happening whereas really judgments naturally happen mm. just the same as everything else i will say there's no without without me there's not a sense of they're not of the impersonal that's a funny i mean that sounds ridiculous but because because i never was it's not that i it's not that the sense i had a sense of self it was always illusory so the absence of it isn't really recognizable at all that's what makes it such a terrible joke that i was waiting for so long to know the absence of myself there is no self to become a no self and there's no knowing of it either you know one of the questions i asked andreas muller is is there a possibility that there are more i don't like to use this terminology again but more expansive levels of consciousness beyond what this is yeah probably i don't know do you know what i mean could this be a stage of awareness and then there's another I'm, one i'm going to say you can say whatever story you like yeah because <laughs> <laughs> i mean if you if you think about levels of consciousness well there's a story isn't it mm. it's 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 helpful I, find, i tend to find for myself it's helpful to uh, go right i'm feeling this uh, this is something that uh, i can work with and and release and all these things and i based on this map i will feel this way after that has taken place that's what that's what's going on here yeah yeah oh, and and that's absolutely natural that would be i would say that's normal that's what everyone would call normal which is how self works because self imagines i'm doing this and this will bring this result i mean we all know every human being knows has no fucking idea what anything <laughs> 
will you know, what will the results that's why we're so shocked you know um I didn't feel like playing golf today I felt dreadful I felt really bad and I've had the best game of golf the result is the best game of golf I've ever played I'm saying that because I play golf um <laughs> what I mean is you can feel you can feel really positive and that that this is going to work out well I've got a plan well I mean it's a great cliche but life's not interested in your plans it's not can't hear your plans yeah that's a difficult that's a difficult thing to sell oh it won't sell that's why this doesn't sell does it i'm not getting rich on this alex well eckhart tolly made a bit to be fair he's not saying this uh, no he's not saying this he isn't no but it, <laughs> it it's sort of um the power of now i think I, I didn't really get that book to be honest but a lot of people read that and sort of that triggered their well I mean, I can't, I can't dismiss Eckhart out of hand because I, I could say that. One of the first books I found after that experience with the kids, um, I went searching and I found Power of Now. It just come out. And um, yeah, there was a lot of stuff in there that really resonated. And I went, oh, well, this is, this, I mean, it's not really, it's not. And yet it is, there's some of it that's, it was enough to, fuel the seeking that's for sure mm. who would you say as like uh eckhart has got rich yeah i do yeah, he's done very well wayne dyer did quite well as well out of it before he uh passed away if he'd have called it if he'd have called it the powerlessness of now it wouldn't have sold so well would it no no it wouldn't because that would be that would be my you know that would be a title that i could write the publisher wouldn't do it mate <laughs> it's true would you consider like people like tony parsons and and those would you look at them as influences or would you say that they were well, just I can only, I images say, in the story I mean, again it's just a story but of course i would have to say that i went to see tony for eight nine years and i went quite regularly mm. and um but there were lots of other speakers that i went to i went to see lisa cans a lot i went to see um uh, I went to see Andreas. I went to see who did I? Um, oh, Jeff Foster. I went to see Jeff when he first started speaking. Um, um, Lisa Lennon when she first started speaking. I went to see quite a lot of different. Oh, mm. because really, when you're searching, when you really want to know. You just, because you get a little bit of hope from each speaker. There's there's a resonance, and it's, but it's, it's, and it's sort of, it just calms the the seeking energy just a little bit, you know, for a, just seemingly for a while. There's less, okay, so I feel a little bit more comfortable because seeking is discomfort. There's no doubt about that. It's, it's very, you know, it's this, like you, you called it an itch. I mean, it's more, I mean, it's just, for, for some, it can just be much worse than an itch. It can be like an aching, an aching pain. It's painful. So, yeah, I went to see, and I could say, of course, they're an influence. I was very influenced by the language that Tony used, and you can't not be. And there are, I mean, language is very limited. 
and because the whole message is paradoxical there are only so many ways you can talk about paradox yeah you read as well on your website one of your recent uh, essays it says i don't wonder if this can be captured in words the impossibility of getting it right is the freedom to speak and write about it oh yeah i like that because the one of the one of the great one of the carrots is and one of the things that fuels the seeking is there must be some human being who speaks perfectly of this that will have the perfect resonance with how it's felt here and that will be the key if i hear it or read it or if i'm in their presence then that will open the door that will be the key this perfect resonance there is no such thing every human being is really obvious you what you've called your uniqueness it just isn't yours every human being is absolutely unique you know you just think biologically conditioning genetically um experientially traumas um memories oh everything you think that that combines in a pot to make a very unique human being and and so the expression of this as every expression every human being makes is utterly unique so i mean that that's that's liberating in itself because you stop looking at others so who who agrees with me there's no interest in who agrees with me at all i mean that's you could say that's what allows the speaking and writing about it don't get me wrong i like it if people agree with me it's it's nice it's nice to be accepted it's nice to be loved i mean they're just human traits again it, you you might there can be some myths that okay it it nothing matters so you won't like um being accepted being loved being you know being um people enjoying what you do of course that's absolutely naturally human yeah you don't care what you don't care about is getting it right now that's the that, that's the liberation mm. because no one has ever got it right there are all the gurus all the masters have fallen from their pedestal and the playing field is absolutely leveled it's completely flat there's no one who knows more or less whatever they say there will be but what the other part of the freedom is this total freedom to love who you love to hear and to dislike who you dislike there's nothing you know it's not right or wrong it's natural and again that's beautiful there's a lot of uh, in the in the spirituality space again there's a lot of you create your own reality by what you think and you align yourself with the energy of what you want and then it will manifest in two years or whatever yeah do you like have any sense that that's real no i don't i think that's absolute bollocks that, that's i mean bloody hell you said about selling shit that stuff sells <laughs> <laughs> the secret you know what oh, the, oh, the I, I hate i hate the I book remember, but that was one of my first i, re I remember buying the secret and you know well who 
what a great title. Now there's a title. It's yeah. going to tell you the secret. To yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they knew they knew how to market. And that's still on every, you look in every self-help bookshop, uh, uh, section in every bookshop. There's the secret. Still selling millions. Although she has wrote a new book recently, Rhonda Byrne. And uh, is, she, is she saying, actually, there was no secret? It's quite, guess the new one. The greatest <laughs> secret. <laughs> yeah. The, she talks about non-duality in there. Does she? Yeah, apparently. She better, she better not do. How dare <laughs> she? How dare, <laughs> how dare she do that? Well, the, you know, this, I mean, this message is, the, the, the secret is there is no secret. That's, mm. that's, there you go. That's all that's being said, really. So mm. here it is, in plain sight. This is all. This is, this is all of it. And by all, I mean, it is, it is, it blows everything away. So when I say all of it, all of the past is present. Of course it is. Where the fuck else would it be? All of the future is present. Where else does the, would the future appear? All of the present is present, but there is no present. You can't find it. So this all is not found. It just is. It's not, it, you can't have it. It's not, it's not attainable. And the unattainableness that this wants to be spoken, that's the liberation. Yeah. That's the rest. You can stop looking. You can stop looking. The seeing is already happening. The hearing is already happening. The feeling is already happening. The memories are already happening. The imagination is already happening. That's all there is. Fucking hell, what a relief. Yeah. <laughs> it is a relief. Tim, you mentioned therapy. You, you, you trained in therapy or something. Well, uh, I did. It was my escape route from being a teacher. I'd been a teacher uh, for 25 years and um, was burnt out with that. I just thought, um, I really, I was always, you said about psychological seeking. Of course, psychological seeking is just the same as spiritual. It's just yeah, a different yeah, way. That's, yeah. It's just the same stuff that I, I seek to understand myself. And in by understanding myself, then I will find... I'll find what I'm looking for. I don't know what I'm looking for, but it seems it seems a way to, you know, some kind of. They do seem quite aligned, though. You find a lot of so-called spiritual seekers fall into this at some point, whereas someone who hadn't gone down that path, generally speaking, unless there's some spontaneous, yeah, happening, it does tend to be that way, don't you think? I think it does. Yeah, and mo most people I've spoken to, they've done, you know, they've they've. They've jumped from psychological seeking to spiritual, and uh, sometimes together, but go from one to another. And yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know, in your day-to-day -day life, yeah, um, I'm I'm going to assume it's very peaceful, which is it seems to me that's what they're seeking all the time, regardless of what they're actually doing. It well, it depends what you mean by peaceful. <laughs> it might not appear peaceful, you know. If the if the cat shits on the carpet, yeah. there could be all hell to pay. Mm. <laughs> there it's isn't. Like, it isn't. 
the 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 piece is with with, with reaction as well so mm. human beings react naturally to what is happening you know the reactions it's just not theirs and without what there is the piece is in the not judging my, judging myself for the reaction i would say if that's what you meant by peace you know because the <laughs> I really don't know, you know, the piece, the piece is in spite of what's happening, regardless of what's yeah. happening. So it's, you could say that there's the pieces. So the thing that most people get really angry about is you could say that there's peace in war, you know, with there's currently war in Ukraine. And so, but there's peace in that. Well, the piece is, Pass it, that doesn't make any sense that's you know that's nonsense well that is the piece that passes all understanding there is a piece that because the piece is that this doesn't move regardless of what it appears to be doing you know what appears to be happening is actually utterly unmoving and that's the piece that passes all understanding yeah so there is so in all the movement so in all the anarchy and all the chaos there is utter stillness. You know, that's why, that's what, that's what resonated with me when I read Eckhart Tolle. Yeah, he speaks about that. Mm -hmm. And no wonder that resonated because there was some, <clears throat> there was something, there was some part of this human being who went, oh, of course, yeah. And you can't know this stillness. You can't see it. It's impossible to speak about. You can't pin it down. It's the same as when I use the word emptiness. It's the same. That's the piece. Uh, the unmoving. It's, it's got. It's got to be very difficult to one day have no um, lack of a better term awakening, and then you have that movement, and then the next day to go back to what you were doing. If you're just working, doing something, it must be a. I mean, for my own. Uh, happening. I was a football. I played professional football. The identity got took away from me, and that caused the suffer initial suffering, which made yeah. me start looking everywhere because there was an identity crisis. Like shit, yeah. I'm not a footballer anymore. Absolutely. What am I? And that's how that started progressing. Well, you could say the same for me because uh, that was the same. Um, <clears throat> I mean, it was much later in life, but. And I hung on to being a, I was a semi-professional footballer. Okay. I hung on to being a footballer for dear life. Because it was so much wrapped in, I was a part of who I was, mm. my, of self-identity. Mm. And uh, so I carried on playing football till I was 42. I literally played till I couldn't, couldn't run at all. Just to hang on to that identity. I, I just wouldn't have it. Really? Um, I mean, I retired at 20, 23. Because, because whatever happened, happened. And there was no, there wasn't a no, I was, I was captain of, a, at that age, I was, I was the captain of a non-league uh, conference, main conference team. Yeah. And I had lost the competitive edge. There was no like sense I need to win this. Whereas before no. it was all, I really need to win at all costs. And yeah. Something happened and that had gone. And I'm just like, I can't play. To the best that these these lads need me to play, I, I get that, yeah. So that's what happened with me, and then that then it's oh, just no, been a continuous that, seeking since then. That well, that would be a dreadful loss, yeah. 
Well, you just be, well, what do I do now without mm. that? Just books, Eckhart Tolle and co. <laughs> you'll be asking, you'll be asking random people just to speak on your podcast about nothing. About nothing, yeah. Tim, we've been on for about an hour. Um, have we? Bloody yeah. hell, that went, that went quick. I really enjoyed that. Yeah, good. Um, I'd like to speak to you again, man. I, we seem to, I'm very, I seem, my own identity, I'm very down to earth and you seem to come across like that. Um, well, the thing is, I can't not be. I mean, my, I mean, there's nothing, <laughs> there's nothing, my, no, I mean, my background, you can't get more earthy than PE teaching, really, can you? You know, you can't get anything more mainstream and, um, and sport, really, generally. And it's, I'm still very bodily, you know, that doesn't go anywhere. I still, still like. Do you still play football now, five aside and stuff? No, or? I can't. No, everything's shot to bits. Is it? I, yeah, I'd like to. If yeah, I I get the urge. I've got a little boy, so I kick oh. a ball about with that. Oh, okay. So I've you're gonna live, you're gonna live your football through him. There you go. I say. Oh, that's nice. That's lovely. So I've got I've got we've got our own pitch. <laughs> Great stuff. Have you got any events or anything coming up? Yeah, I've got um, I've got a meeting in um, Hampstead a week on Saturday, sixteenth of sixteenth of April. I'm at Hampstead uh, at the and a lovely little place called the Philadelphia Association. It's a psychological centre. Um, yeah, so I'm there in a week, and I've got a Zoom meeting tonight. Oh, cool. Um, okay, I'll put that I in the notes. Yeah, okay. And um, yeah, you, if anybody was, is interested, then they could go just go to timclisthis.com. Cool. All right, Tim. Well, thanks. Real, ple real pleasure to talk to you, Alex. Thank you, Tim. Uh, yeah, I really appreciate it, mate. Thank you. I enjoyed it a lot. Cheers, Bye -bye. mate. Bye. Bye. All the best. Bye.